Hi guys, so as you know, my name's Alex. I'm the founder at Kaiku, um, an early stage uh, network and investment facilitator for early seed stage startups and do a lot of investment preparatory work for them as well. Um, really happy to be joined here by Sid today. Uh, Sid is investment director at ASIF Ventures, um, student-focused VC based in Amsterdam in Holland. So we're going to try and be talking all things VC, student, startup related today and sort of give a little bit more insight, probably more for the sort of student demographic on how the world's working and sort of how to look a little bit more sort of bootstrapping yourself a little bit more and alternative finance and the things around that. But Sid, do you just want to say a little bit about yourself uh, at the moment? Just give us a bit of an update in terms of where you are and how you got here. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. So uh, exactly how you, uh, how you described. So uh, yeah, my name is Sid. Um, I, I, while I was studying in, in, in Spain, uh, I interned at a venture capital over there, uh, pre-Series uh, A, basically. Uh, so that's kind of where my interest in PC started. Uh, and then since then, did a couple of internships in PC startup-related uh, positions. And then since uh, August, uh, late August, September 2019, uh, I, I'm now investment director at Ace of Ventures. So we're an uh, Amsterdam-based, uh, student-focused uh, micro-venture capital fund. Great. So you're coming to the end of your tenure now, I, I believe. Yeah. So it's been... Almost, almost getting it, there. It's been quite the journey, I think, from when I remember you starting that off and it's quite an interesting team structure you've got because you're sort of all five ex and current students, you're not. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, we're all ex students, so it's a full time uh, position. But um, I mean, of course, like we have a rotating board system. So uh, every year, five people will take over the fund, uh, so to speak. Um, and yeah, I mean, because we're focused on students and recent graduates, like you really do want to have that lens and that uh, student network, uh, which in this case becomes our deal flow network. So uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite important to have that. So it's, uh, it's bittersweet, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pass it on to the next generation of student investors, let's say. So take us back a little bit, because I think what's quite interesting is, you know, you've, you've, there's been new funds coming up in you know, student focus in Europe recently. You've got things like Creator, uh, set up by Jamie McFarlane, really sort of interesting stuff coming out of Founders Factory. Um, so that's sort of looking at the UK demographic and sort of, you know, you could say the dorm room of what's happening in Europe and the wanting to grow that network out there from my understanding. So what was it that, how did ASIF start up? Why did it start up? And, you know, how was that sort of capitalized what you guys are doing in, you know, in, in the Netherlands as opposed to the rest of Europe? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I, uh, yeah, obviously I have to be honest about this. I can't take any credit for it. Uh, there was a, a guy called uh, Jasper Driesens, uh, here in the Netherlands, who, uh, while he was studying uh, in Twente, I believe, started at, uh, a DCIF, uh, the Dutch Student Investment Fund. And then uh, when he moved to pursue a, a master here in Amsterdam, um, yeah, the, the idea came along of, you know, why not uh, do the similar thing here in Amsterdam? So that started three years ago. Uh, that was when ASIF started. Uh, and then since then, uh, we're now in the third board year, so to speak. Uh, and uh, I mean, of course, there's a lot of administration, uh, as you can imagine, with a, a public private fund. Uh, so I took quite some time to conceptualize and, and uh, yeah, re really be established. Uh, and then last year was, let's say, the first investing board year, uh, where they made three investments. Uh, this year, we took over in, in, in August. There was a transition period, obviously, you have to hand over, you know, all your knowledge and expertise for uh, about two, two weeks. Uh, and then we take over from September. So since then till now, we've, uh, 
yeah, I, I can take credit for, you know, together with my colleagues for, you know, the last seven months or so, but uh, ASIF as a whole, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's out of my hands. So how's investments looked for you, obviously, up until, you know, we're, we're filming, we're doing this uh, in, in, in April. So up until, you know, I suppose about four weeks ago, it was pretty much business as usual, uh, you know, up until that period for you. Has there been, how has it been for, for investment for you guys this year in terms of, you know, how you've been finding people, what you've invested into, any particular focus? Yeah, absolutely. No, great question. So we're, uh, we're industry agnostic. So we, we, we kind of look into, uh, yeah, a, a lot of everything. Um, in general, our ticket sizes, like we started 25K, so it doesn't really make sense to go into uh, med tech or hardware because it, it won't get you that far. So uh, we do focus on, you know, just scalable software solutions. Um, and then, yeah, from there, traditionally what we used to do back in the day when this was still uh, possible, we'd go to a lot of events and, and try to talk to founders a lot, um, you know, just to build a network, talk to a lot of early stage VCs, try and get, you know, deal work through them, um, those kind of things. I think obviously since COVID, like things has changed quite a bit considering you can't physically go to events. Uh, so we've moved that, like everyone has, we've moved everything virtual. We've tried to, I think from a deal sourcing perspective, it's quite tough to, uh, for like outreach is now, you know, more the focus on. Um, traditionally, you know, because of our tickets, like we always do uh, convertible loans um, or primarily, let's say. Um, and I think that this has become an opportunity for a lot of startups to, you know, for bridge financing uh, at the moment they may. So for us particularly, it's been, it's been quite useful because uh, a lot of startups, you know, around there are now starting to look into, you know, potentially getting a, getting a bridge loan from us um, and then starting that as a partnership. So there are other avenues that, you know, we have to explore. Uh, it's obviously quite new. So, uh, you know, there's still certain things that we're trying to understand and, and, and see uh, what the right strategy is. Um, but yeah, that's, that's mainly it. Would you say there's a typical approach to, you know, the work you've worked in Spain, you've been doing some work in the UK. Would you say there's, you know, there's a huge difference in terms of what you're doing in terms of building that sort of founder relationships? Is there a lot of, because obviously it's come out of, you know, a university, um, yeah. you're quite engaged with the department. So is, I suppose what I'm asking is, is, is the journey of a founder and a team coming to you quite different from what you've seen in sort of Spain or the UK before? It's quite uh, it's quite similar. Um, also, I think like in general, the Dutch culture is very, is very blunt. So that's, I mean, in, in, in venture capital, it's very useful because, uh, you know, like meetings can be, you know, very straightforward, um, which is great. But in general, like Amsterdam is a very, very international city. So we see, uh, you know, a, a lot of different cultures. So like in terms of the way founders would typically approach us in, in Spain or, or here, it's, it's quite similar. Um, I think, you know, just the process in general, uh, especially in our case, because we do focus on students and research graduates, they're most of the time first time founders um, with most of the time, maybe one or two internships on their belt. Uh, so it's not, you're not talking to, you know, experienced founders with, you know, 20 years of experience where you can, where maybe the relationship would be quite different. Uh, in our case, we'd like to, you know, really get to know them we're quite aware that a lot of the times, you know, there are certain specific things uh, like metrics at the first time that we're talking to them about them. So there's a venture building aspect to it as well. Um, and like, we're, we're very founder focused and we realize as well that, you know, a founder can have 
uh, a startup idea that may not necessarily be VC backable, but um, three months, six months, a year, two years down the line, uh, they can start something else, still be within the three-year uh, recent graduate uh, bracket for ASIF and qualify for uh, an ASIF investment and then come to us with something more interesting. So it, it, we, it's quite a delicate position where you don't want to, you know, break their confidence on their first time into, you know, uh, starting a startup. Um, so that's definitely something that we do pay attention to. We try to have as, as many conversations as possible with, you know, a, a, with different uh, uh, founders and, and, and try to really see what, what the, the, the idea is and, and what their vision is. Interesting. So in terms of how many you've made, what, three, four investments this year, has it been? Or? Yeah. So this year we've made, uh, yeah, we've made three investments so far. How has that been spread out? Have there been any that sort of particularly taken your attention? I mean, obviously they've always been pretty good to get to this stage, but you know, would you say there's much relation between what the investments have been or sort of different industries? How's that taken on? Yeah, quite, quite different. Um, so also, of course, like we have, uh, we carry on the investments that we did uh, that are funded uh, the last year. So we have a, a total portfolio of six companies so far. Um, in general, it's been quite uh, spread out. So we just, uh, in, in the beginning of, the, of this year, we closed an investment in, in last mile delivery, uh, which now, considering COVID, is quite a timely investment, I would say. Uh, and then, of course, about a month ago or so, we closed an investment in uh, an AI company that generates uh, models for, for uh, uh, e-commerce fashion brands. Uh, and then just uh, yesterday, uh, we announced uh, our, our, our latest investment in, in a legal search engine startup. So like, it's quite, uh, you know, different industries, different business models, uh, very different teams, very different approaches. Um, I, it also doesn't really make sense for us, given our, our niche focus, to then focus on a specific business model. Uh, but uh, this kind of works because we have quite a big uh, network of investors, advisors uh, that we tap into. So no matter what the startup is, if it doesn't necessarily fit under uh, or, or, or we may not necessarily have, have the expertise to, to value it um, or, or really you know, evaluate it and, and understand uh, the back end, uh, we have quite a, an extensive network that we tap into and, and, and uh, get their feedback, put them in touch with the founders as well to uh, you know, make sure that, that, you know, we're setting the right benchmarks and they're on the right, um, roadmap and everything is going, is going, uh, you know, smooth. Like you our, our goal obviously is to make sure that the journey is, uh, you know, alleviated somewhat because, uh, especially you would know, you know, it, it's quite tough, you know, in, in, in the early stages, there's a lot of uncertainties, a lot of things that you don't really know, you know, how things are going to pan out. So to have that, you know, guiding, um, element to it is, is very, it's very useful. So that's actually quite a good point you, you, you sort of intersected on in terms of working with advisors and, you know, having more of, you've got a portfolio, you've got to work with them. And, you know, for all VCs, micro or large at the moment, they've got to get a portfolio through this period, deploy more capital, you know, work out networks, leverage, et cetera. But what I wanted to go back to, I think, for the demographic that you're working with students, you're, if, you, if you like them, you made a connection, you actually start getting further in conversations, you'll get to a term so dd due diligence with them which will probably start to scare them whereby they're thinking crap i haven't signed this agreement or this contract's not in place and you get there and i appreciate a lot of this falls on you and you know some stuff will be outsourced as a lot of this sort of process normally is is there anything that you'd say um and you know we'll change the conversation to a bit more sort of covid and you know what students can do to get into this but 
it's I don't think it's something that's actually spoken a lot about enough um, in terms of what a student or a graduate's interpretation of this. How do you deal with due diligence with founders if you've gotten to a stage whereby you want to start working to them? What is the process, simply put, and you know how do you take them through that? Yeah, so I mean, um, again, like it, it's quite a long, um, like it's a whole journey, the entire investment process. So um, we do establish a relationship in the beginning, we, you know, a couple of calls, meetings, whatever it might be. Uh, and it's all based on, you know, transparency. And we're really honest with our, on our side as well, you know, from the feedback that we give to, you know, try to establish a relationship. So we haven't really had instances where uh, founders were, um, I don't know, I don't want to use the word deceiving, but, you know, maybe said something and, and we had to have uh, really tough uh, due diligence conversations. Uh, this hasn't occurred yet. Uh, it, it's also like, it, I don't think that's something that we uh, necessarily expect. I think that in general, it's also something that founders at this stage don't need to be intimidated by. Um, there aren't, you know, really crazy things that you have to consider. Like investors in the due diligence process, it's just a fancy term to just make sure that everything we talked about is uh you know as is um so like we're not too critical about you know uh if you don't have uh you know certain things here and there like well that's also the reason why we're why we're there so we'll try and make sure that um you know if you have you know certain contracts in place uh that, that at least that all of that is done before we make the investment but uh we can help you with that as well so so if you come to us and you say hey look we need uh a, a 25k investments for xyz uh you know we're not expecting you to be uh you know a company with, with everything that obviously you need to be registered and you need to have you know certain things that are just basic um requirements but other than that like there are a lot of stuff like for example founder vesting and those kind of things that a lot of first-time founders don't necessarily know uh and 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 they really want to understand you know how do we do team structure and how do you want to and that's something that we can help with um, and, and, and it's, it's not something to be critical about. It's not something to worry about. It, it, it's just, you know, that's the reason why you have pre-seed venture capital funds is to get you through that stage. Um, so in general, just to explain like how the investment process works, it's quite similar to, uh, you know, C stage VCs, uh, in general, but, uh, so we'll have, you know, a couple of conversations, whatever it might be. And then if we come to a point internally, uh, so we are a team of five, uh, full-time board members. Uh, these decisions are made between the five of us. So I'm investment and deal flow director, but you know, it's not that, you know, if I see a company that's interesting, like I, I, I speak, so God speaks, it's, it's a, it's a team decision. Um, and then we'll, we'll do an internal analysis, which is, uh, you know, just us deep diving into, you know, the team, the markets, uh, and that kind of thing. And then after that, that just serves as a guide for us to really understand the opportunity a little better. And we'll send that to what we call a validation loop, which is just uh, a circle of experts, uh, which comprises of industry experts, but also follow-on investors. Yeah. So we'll talk to, you know, C-stage VCs that are specifically, uh, you know, relevant to the particular opportunity and get their feedback. And if they're, you know, positive and could be a potential deal flow for them, you know, six months, eight months down the line, uh, we'll also ask, like, what are the specific, like, KPRs or or uh, you know benchmarks that you would look for for it to be an interesting startup. So when we do portfolio management, we know what to rely on because we know what VCs are looking for. Uh, so it's not just you know gut feelings of uh, recent graduates that are you know helping a startup which could misguide them. Uh, we really want to make sure that the information and and the guidance that we're providing to these startups is um, 
based on on uh, the opinion and and on yeah the actions of uh, of venture capitals in, in the ecosystem. Uh, and then industry experts is also just for us to guide to make sure that you know the projected roadmap of startups that actually makes sense. Uh, the market is what it is, and and what their feedback is on the products. So that's more for us uh, just to get validation. There's we a think. lot of links in there with other local seed funds, so you can actually that's it exactly more interest to get them funded in the future as well. So you want to be able to understand what that you know transition would be in that sense. Absolutely. And especially because like traditionally we'll do investments with convertibles and you know, like the goal of a convertible is to get converted into equity. So like, we really want to make sure that, you know, from day one that our interests are aligned with the founder. Um, Cause you know, our, for us to be, you know, eventually on the cap table, we really need to get them into a they stage where they yeah, get, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's interesting. And so actually sort of bringing it back to what we're seeing at the moment, how are you current i mean diversified for sure you know you said you've got one business in there that is quite sort of appropriate for you know current times and things like that how are they sort of relying on you quite a lot at the moment in terms of looking for extra capital extra support network facilitation um thing is that is now uh given the circumstances um founders Team, uh, student founded at lean so um at, at least from from that perspective uh you know they can trap uh themselves through the next whatever the next couple of months uh main thing that we really focus on is that traditionally after we invest we'll have uh meetings twice twice a week uh, twice a month sorry uh and then after a certain you know period we'll we'll drop it down to about once a month uh, portfolio management meetings. Um, but now given the process, like we're really available, you know, at any given point, like they all have our WhatsApp numbers. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and reach out as much as possible. We really want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're doing fine. And that if there's something, if something arises that we can, you know, be there for them. It's, it's a really tough period for everyone. I think especially, um, like sales conversations at this point, it's here in the Netherlands, like it's really on pause. You don't want to, you know, corporates don't really want to have these conversations when a lot of them are defaulting on rents. Um, so I think this is something you want to postpone. And our main advice to our startups is just to focus on stuff that they can manage. So the KPIs that we set up. Uh, so whenever we invest, we will make a hundred day plan. Uh, and then, uh, you know, from there, like really try and uh, double down on the KPIs that we have and, and try and get them through uh, the whole process. And, and we have, you know, like I said, but, uh, bi-weekly meetings and things like this. But um, now what we've done is uh, we've basically just disregarded everything that's not in their hands, such as like sales and everything. And what we really focus on is product development and, and stuff that is just stuff that they can manage and just take the next, you know, in weeks or whatever. Might be. Able to do. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's the thing. Okay. So I suppose where it could leave us is I think, you know, as you know, we do a lot of work over here with universities, innovation teams, really different over here in the UK, as opposed to, you know, how typically they've operated in Europe. Europe's very hands-on, you know, with, with local sort of innovation schemes, you know, take HEC Paris, the business school, big partner of Station F, um, you know, very hands-on. So Garland's another good example of since Start Summit. You guys have got the next web on your doorstep, haven't you? Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it makes life very different in terms of what students see and interpret uh, through the courses and, you know, starting up a business. What would you say are, you know, the main words of advice that you'd give to entrepreneurs 
looking to start up, especially at the moment in terms of getting them going, keeping the confidence and, you know, potentially even, you know, involving themselves with, you know, with ASIF uh, in the future to actually get to a stage whereby, you know, they could have a really serious conversation with you. I think honestly, like, especially now that everyone's pretty much in self quarantine, just reach out to as many people as possible, uh, schedule calls, uh, just talk to them and, and get some feedback on whatever the idea is, uh, see if it's, you know, something that's scalable, something that has merit to it. Um, and with us as ASIF, like we're always reachable. So we're always open to have conversation with founders. Um, yeah, I think now, uh, it's quite tough to get back to everyone because, uh, yeah, deal flow has gone up quite a bit because of, you know, like I said earlier, like there are a lot of startups are looking for bridge. There's a lot of startups that are like now, especially because everyone's at home, uh, you know, you have an idea and, and all you need is, you know, Wi-Fi, decent Wi-Fi, you can start a company. So like people are, are in the idea. Because the number of times you've broken up, it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so you have, you have, uh, yeah, I mean, you have ideation and then, and then you just want to, you know, reach out and, and make sure this, that this, uh, that this works. So I think that's, that's really what people like us are, or companies like, like ASIF are there for. Um, but there are a lot of other examples, like, like, you know, within any student network, like whether it's, uh, you know, a, a particular professor at a university that has a particular expertise in something and you just want to get their feedback, uh, or if it's, you know, a, a colleague or a friend of your, uh, but just, just talk to people. Like, I, I think that's the main thing is that a lot of people just internal. and then do this because we need people to reach out to people are willing you know have these conversations right now um so yeah i think i think that's probably like my my, my biggest and would you say the universities the departments you know do a lot to be to, to get students to engage with you i mean do they do you find a lot of sort of deal flow i suppose you found is coming from there as well or is it more typically sort of yeah yeah, well, we also have, uh, so, I mean, we, like I mentioned, so we have five uh, people in our um, board, but then we also have 15 fellows. So uh, they're just 15 current students that work part-time with ASIF uh, and there are boots on the ground. So they're, they're, they help us with, like, we have three teams. So we have the event team, which now currently is, you know, hard to, uh, you know, set up okay. events in uh, <laughs> COVID. Uh, we have a marketing team and then we have an event team. Um, so they're also all approachable as well. They all, uh, they're all part of the ASIF, uh, team. So like they're, they're always, you know, there for, for deal flow as well. Um, the university themselves, like there are a lot of, um, like sub, uh, organizations within the universities because they're two really large public research universities in Amsterdam with thousands and thousands of students. Um, so like also for us, we, it really makes sense, you know, to connect with all the sub organizations and 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 get uh you know deal flow through there um in general like that's also the reason why we we organize all these events we put a lot of effort into doing this is to get the whole community organized and and get them all you know know about what asif does you do. uh, yeah exactly and then also you know like if it ever comes to that stage where they want to have these conversations that we're there um and we're approachable so that's the purpose of that in terms of you know this is coming from someone who you know probably hasn't been involved as much in the Dutch ecosystem I have, as I have been in you know, Switzerland, Spain, France, etc. As well, but do you tend to find you know firm differentiations in terms of the companies you're seeing, for example, between Rotterdam, Amsterdam, etc. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that there's always going to be some sort of a link to like what the strong, what the strength of the university is like in the particular city. Um, so certain cities have like, you know, really strong research universities and, you know, particular fields uh, like Wageningen, for example, a city in the Netherlands is really focused on agriculture. It's like uh, it's considered food valley of, uh, of Europe, the world. Um, so, of course, like, you know, you'll have you'll have that sort of a, uh, that respect. But I think that in general, um, like students or, you know, if you're a first time founder, you're always going to create a solution um, based on whatever you're facing um so like it's 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 interesting to see like how first that can be because you don't you know like from uh you know a second or third year student university then creating an, an enterprise SaaS company uh it, it's it's quite you know uh you know at first glance it's not necessarily you know the first uh aspect you think of but it works right so so um yeah it, it really hasn't had that correlation yet where i can say that you know certain areas have uh specific focuses um, I think probably the biggest factor would be, you know, what university there is or like what the strength of that city is. Um, but it really hasn't, you know, proven out statistically to say that, you know, X city has really come out to whatever. But also like just to be clear, like ASIF is really focused on Amsterdam. Um, so like I'm sure that there are other funds in uh, the Netherlands that may disagree with what I just said because they have a focus on, you know, much more of, of the Netherlands. So uh yeah, I'm just feeling, I'm just speaking out of guts and not necessarily out of data, so. Any predictions when you think what's going to happen with you in terms of funding at the moment for the end of the year? Do you think this is going to, I mean, we keep seeing more lockdowns, uh, just have a notification here in the UK, another three weeks, which is, you know, completely understood. But yeah. you're obviously moving off in July, August again and recruiting a new team in. Up is probably going to be an uphill struggle for them there uh in, in what way sorry in, in terms of them looking for new deals and picking up a new range for new guys yeah no absolutely I, th I think like this is something that like we'll kind of have to navigate or so uh but i think the main thing is just um there are stage fund or pre-seed in our case. Our exit horizon is around something like this. So like the startups that we're focusing on, that you really need to make sure that uh, the main thing you want to look at now is like, is the exit horizon changing 10 years? So if you're looking at a startup that's doing, you know, something for some, like uh, whatever it might be, pick an industry, pick a business model. Will that specifically be disrupted like in, in the next seven to 10 years because of what happened now? And in a lot of the cases, it's not the case. I think it's like consumer behavior may change. Um, and, you know, there may be like, for example, I think maybe the remote work space uh, is, is going to get more interest because a lot of companies have realized that uh, it works. Maybe productivity is going a little, is a little lower, but then there are other tools that can uh, help on that side. So that could definitely be uh, an, a growth area in the next decade or so. Um, same thing with healthcare. Um, but in general, when you look at like, you know, general consumer behavior, I don't think at this point that is going to change that much 10 years down the line. So when you look at startups uh, that, that we look at, given that, you know, their exit is going to be, it's still around 10 years or so, there's, I, I don't think that your investment thesis uh, fundamentally needs that much changing. Um, 
but again, like this is something that we're about two months in or so. Uh, so probably, you know, a couple of years down the line, we'll really know the impact of how much it changed. Um, and, and this is something that overall investment strategy strategies always change, right? Like yeah. trends happen. So like, I mean, of course, like if you take a VC of 10 years ago, um, and, and, and you take, you know, the entire fund strategy of then and you copy paste and you put it in now, it just won't work because uh, so many things evolve. So I think that it's like with with the storm, like a lot of opportunities will arise. So deal flow will always be there. Um, there may even be, you know, necessity entrepreneurship for, uh, you know, students who may not necessarily be able to land an internship or, or a junior position. Uh, they may have an idea that, you know, could potentially um work and and now is the perfect time to you know try it out and 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 give it a shot and really double down on it and that's something that for asif is if you can't you know if if that creates more deal flow i think they might have the opposite problem well they'll have to do you know even more uh filter through Safety. um yeah yeah absolutely so yeah there's that aspect let's see that's great all right well thank you so much for your time really really enjoyed that and i, I know that will be a lot of students both europe you know uh uk and you know people beyond the university for sure are going to find this really useful so thanks very much indeed for coming on the sort of the first kaiku video course as we call it so. appreciate it yeah absolutely